You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! I feel like... The idea of like a community is something that's kind of so important to like you and no earbuds. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like when did you first um, start to feel like you were kind of curating or like becoming part of this community? Um, I mean, I guess at some point at my, like over the last like six or seven years, um, like partially part of like what we were building at side one and then, it kind of like when that ended, I felt like it, it felt like like whatever was holding up that community sort of fell apart. And even though like we didn't need anybody to make it real, it just sort of felt like nobody was really like staying in touch and nobody, like what we had built was kind of falling apart. So that's sort of where I picked it up for no earbuds. But I feel like it's been like, it's obviously been a thing before me and it'll be a thing after me, but I feel like, <laughs> Our little kind of corner of the world um, has been probably like five or six years now, I feel like, or maybe a little bit longer, but um, that's where I think it started. And now it's just turning into it's just getting bigger and there's more people and more bands and it's just awesome. So. For sure. Um, and I know that uh, I feel like I know kind of more about like your professional background than I do about kind of like your personal history with like music and how you like got into, you know, this like scene and stuff um so i'm curious like kind of how yeah like how you got into it and everything like that sure um i mean i don't know, let me think i don't really remember <laughs> um it was like i was in high school for sure i'm pretty sure when i first started listening to this kind of stuff um i remember my sister liked newfound glory a lot and I always had this thing, I feel like it was like an unspoken and unintentional thing where like if my sister liked something, I couldn't like it. And if <laughs> I liked something, she couldn't like it. So like, I hated New Fond Glory. <laughs> like, I just hated them. And I think it was just like, she listened to it and she liked it enough that like over time I was like reluctantly getting into it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And from there, you know, we would, we went to a bunch of concerts together at that time. So we, you know, there was like, something corporate and brand new and like all those bands that whole era um and so it just like kind of started from there I feel like once you get into one of those bands it's like a like one after another just it's very much like dominoes like mm -hmm. you find them and you just become obsessed so that's when I got into like the scene I guess and then you know like I didn't do anything I was in high school I like just went to shows then I went to warp Tour and stuff and then college I went into college as a communication major because I didn't really feel like I knew what I wanted to do and nothing seemed like it, that that seemed like the most generic thing I could major in that would make sense but mm -hmm. once I got there I realized that the school had a music business program and so I switched over to that my base I started that like sophomore year of college mm -hmm. um so that was sort of and that was like when I kind of started figuring out that I could do it for work too <laughs> and it was like 
once I saw that light, it was like, it didn't matter if it was reasonable or not. Like I wasn't doing anything else. Like there was just no other option. And that's when I started kind of working on making the thing that I love to do so much as like a person into like something that would pay me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty natural start just getting into bands and starting to go to shows. I would like hand out flyers and shit at like venues. I was, I booked a few shows when I was like still in that age range. Um, but it was just really just like being a fan mm-hmm. that's where it all started. And that's why like, that's the most important thing to me now is just like that I'm still a fan because the second I'm not, the second I'm doing this for a paycheck and I'm doing this for any other jaded reason, it's like, then why is this what I'm doing? You know, mm-hmm. like I want to always just be a fan and get paid to be a fan, but <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. And um, I know you mentioned like Newfound Glory and SoCo and stuff. What what were some of like the formative like releases and concerts for you? <sighs> Let's see. Um, I mean, Summon Corporate for sure, like Yellow Card in the beginning, uh, Bayside in the beginning, um, fuck, I'm trying to think, uh, Motion City Soundtrack, first couple records for sure, um, Thrice, first couple records, um, concert-wise, I mean, I have a terrible memory, but there's one (laughs) concert I always, always remember, um, it was Yellow Card and Something Corporate, and I've I, my sister will never listen to this, so she can't confirm it or deny it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure the format opened that show. But it was at a college in, um, like, somewhere in Massachusetts, and they, um, apparently the city, that like, the little township that the college was in had a noise ordinance that started at, like, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And because they're in such a small town, this college, like, the concert was so loud that while something corporate was playing the cops showed up and they literally unplugged all the gear and i'll never forget it because it was andrew playing constantine on piano but he had no microphone so it was the whole auditorium was singing it the whole song (laughs) and at one point the cops went up on the stage to like get him he jumped into the crowd and the crowd kind of protected him and he was able to move from the stage all the way to the back of the auditorium and like evade the cops basically and like that was sort of, I wrote my college, uh, my entrance essay about that concert. I was just like, <laughs> whoa, I was like, that was so sick. Like, first off, I just loved the band playing, but then it was just like to see that kind of perseverance and that passion and like a 10 minute song to have an entire crowd sing the whole thing and not miss a beat. Like, that was just awesome. Like, so that that's one that definitely stands out in my head. I don't really have like I went to so many shows. I don't remember all of them. So. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, always really interesting to me like I've seen I haven't wasn't able to see something corporate when they were like around but I saw right yeah a, a couple of the shows that I've seen Andrew at um he's played Constantine and it, it was really crazy like the just the fan reaction to that song yeah <laughs> yeah like I don't listen I don't think I've listened to that song in the last like five years but I feel like if I if he started playing it at a show I would know all the words like I wouldn't even like <laughs> flinch but it's just like yeah, it was definitely, a, it was only a time, because I, I got into, like, the first Jack Mannequin record, but I didn't really, like, you know, I haven't really stayed with it, and I haven't really, like, been super into it as it's gone more pop, mm-hmm. and so it's, like, I have, you know, I was def- it was definitely a certain time that his music connected with me, but, uh, you know, it's still just, like, he's one of those figures, I think, and, like, all those bands, there's, like, they, they represent, like, a time, for sure, that mm-hmm. I can remember. Yeah, definitely, um, and, I guess I also wanted to kind of talk about, like you mentioned, Andrew McMahon being a figure. I feel like kind of in 
maybe like uh, in a smaller way, you're kind of like very well known throughout the scene. Like people kind of like you, you turn heads and people generally like know what you're about and are like super into it. Um, how does like kind of, I, I guess kind of like your uh, notoriety, I, I don't really know exactly what, what word I want to use, but um, how does oh, that God. kind of like <laughs> a, affect you and the way you like approach um, like your campaigns and stuff? Um, I don't know, because I feel like I know what you're talking about. I don't like feel like, I don't feel like it's a thing. I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> it, I guess it's, I don't let it affect anything because it's in me, my head, I'm like, I'm, you know, a millennial with imposter syndrome every day. So I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. They just follow me on the internet. They, there's nothing to this. Like people do not care. <laughs> like they do not care about me. Um, so I'm constantly probably, you know, having some, a lot of self doubt. Um, so I don't think I really factor it in too much um, when I'm working on stuff. When I'm working on stuff, my priority is just like loving what I'm working on and finding different ways to get other people to also love those things you know like it's just i'm not even thinking of myself at all i'm thinking of yes obviously i know people and i have connections and i have all these people i've met all over the years that i want to reach out to and i want to share this with but it's less of like a being anything to do with me and having a following and more about how can how can i take what you you know whatever the artist is how can i take what they've created and use those thing you know all those people and things I've learned over the years to help get more people listening to them mm -hmm. um so I, that's the only way it really factors in is just that like I'm, I've amassed some people who care <laughs> so I just you know factor them into my strategy but it's always 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 just about the individual whatever it is an album an EP or whatever it's just always about that individual piece and like what can I bring to the table creatively and strategically to help get more people listening to it and, and like on the creative side of things, um, I think probably one of the first times that I was like super aware of you was um, when you sent out the potatoes for the, I think it was the Roswell <laughs> Kid campaign. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did like that side of the creative, like the kind of non-traditional creative side kind of come into things for you? Um, I feel like, I mean, that's probably like I've always kind of had a brain that works a little weirder and differently than other people I guess or just like I've always had out of the box thoughts and ideas of how to go about things I very much like oppose any kind of traditional anything you know like any <laughs> tradition in general if someone's done it before or it's something that I'm supposed to do because of some societal reason I reject it vehemently <laughs> so I think for me when it comes to my work it took us a while for me to get confident enough to be able to like pitch my most creative and out of the box ideas but I think once I got to a point where I was like well fuck it I'm just gonna throw this out and if they like it they like it if they don't they're stupid it's all good <laughs> like, I, it, it, it doesn't hurt me I think once I got to that point I would just pitch ideas as they came to me and you have artists sometimes where it makes a lot more sense to do stuff like that than others so I think in that case it was just the perfect storm of the idea of like, like working with bands like Roswell Kid and AJJ it's like you can use these kind of things to your benefit. So I think it was just one of those things where, I mean, that literally came from being high watching Shark Tank and I saw the thing about the potatoes and I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that's hilarious. What if I use that to pitch bands with somehow? Because the thought was like, we were also like, I remember around that time frame, we were sending like care packages to like Spotify and Apple and all these people 
with records trying to get these people to listen to our band and nothing was happening. And I was like, yeah, because they're getting inundated with this shit. Like they're getting gift packages and emails left and right that are just the basic traditional shit. Mm-hmm. If I was somebody working at a at Spotify and I had hundreds of emails and packages coming my way trying to get me to listen to all these different bands, I probably wouldn't touch any of them. Like you would need to do something shocking to get me to stop and think about it and actually put some time into it. So I think it sort of just came from there and just pitched it to the band and they loved it. And so I did it. <laughs> nice. Oh, and I'm curious, you kind of mentioned um, that you used to be kind of more self-conscious about bringing those um, types of ideas. Um, was it, and you've also mentioned like how connected you are to the bands that you worked with. Were you, were you more kind of like worried about how the bands would take it or like presenting it to like the manager and like label side of things? Um, no, I'm pretty used to the fact that label, like industry people are going to hate this shit for the most <laughs> part. Like, or they'll act like they think it's great. And then when it comes down to like the logistics of it and like actually doing it, that's when they get nervous. So I've come to like, not really care what they think um for me it's yeah i think i got would get nervous that in the beginning at least but like my ideas weren't good so mm-hmm. pitching it to a band i didn't want it to seem like oh this is a terrible idea maybe she's terrible like it was it's always rooted in that like self-doubt you know it's always rooted in that so um i think that's probably what it was more than anything but i think like i said there's certain bands where it's just like it works for and there's others that it doesn't so i think I sort of learned kind of not to pick and choose, but to just sort of like, like if I had pitched an idea like that for, I don't know, like queen of jeans, like they probably think it's funny, but it doesn't really fit the vibe, you know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't really work with what we're going for strategically. Whereas like an AJJ or Roswell kid or Jeff Rosenstock, like that kind of an idea that's so left field and just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that like <laughs> makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. So I think once I got the handle on like, you know, selectively kind of figuring out where those ideas come out the best because the reality is it's like it always has to match the tone of the band too mm-hmm. like you can come up with the weirdest idea or the most like left field creative idea but it has to fit the tone of what you're trying to put out there mm-hmm. so I think I, I over the years have learned how to adapt and sort of take my use my mold my creativity in different ways so sometimes it comes out in the form of something more out of the box and kind of funny and other times it'll come out in a way that you maybe don't even realize it's coming out because it's molded to fit that project specifically mm-hmm. um but yeah everything's always dude everything's rooted in my self-doubt honestly <laughs> it's just how it is you just kind of but at some point you just get over it and it's like what's the worst that's gonna happen they're gonna hate the idea and ignore me okay cool whatever like <laughs> it'll have it's happened before it'll happen again it's fine yeah, for sure. I, I definitely try to live by the kind of idea of like the worst people can say is no. It, and it's like, that's not that big of a deal. You just move on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, and it's funny because it's like, I also think that. And then I think like, you know, if somebody doesn't take an idea because for whatever reason, there's, and sometimes it's like it's on the band's end where they're scared, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to be the ones that put their name is going on it. So maybe they're nervous about taking the risk. And I get that. So it's like, you know what, if you don't take the idea, that's fine. I'm going to pitch it to somebody else at some point and they're going to take it. Like, I'll reuse it. So. For sure. Yeah. And have there been um, any kind of like standout ideas that you haven't either found the right band for or that have just been kind of like a pass? Mm, that's a good question. I'll have to think about it and get back to you. But there's, I mean, I'm sure there's been ideas that have moved from one band to another or like, I mean, I've had video ideas that have, like, probably car- – I've pitched to, like, six or seven bands at this point. <laughs> just, <laughs> just waiting for the right one. But, like, 
yeah, there's always, you know, there's probably stuff I can think of. I'll have to just put some time into it, but I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I've recycled a lot of, I've recycled a lot of ideas, um, adapted them and repitched them, but I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> um, and, and you tweeted recently about um, kind of how... I did, I did tweet recently. <laughs> always true. <laughs> um, <laughs> just about how kind of like... Um, no earbuds is kind of like more than a PR firm. And like a lot of the work that you do is um, with like social media, like creation and curation um, for bands. So I, I was wondering if you could kind of like expand on that a little more and what um, kind of like no earbuds is about besides the straight PR side of things. Sure. Um, if anything, it's like the PR straight up traditional PR side of it is like the last thing I want people to know it as. Like it's the very <laughs> last thing on the list. Like that's a part of it because it's still a thing, but it's more about like innovating the process and treating it. Like I said, like I, I don't ever want to do something that someone else is doing. I don't want to do things the same way other people have done them. I don't, I don't want to, that, that stuff doesn't appeal to me because it's just not, it doesn't, I can't go to sleep at night knowing that. So um, I think for me, I started it with the thought of like, all right, well, I already have people hiring me to do the PR campaign. So this will just be like a vessel for that. Mm. But I'm not going to give it a definition because I don't know what I want to do in a year from now. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like there's people that people have hit me up about all kinds of different things I can help them with. And so if I were to ever have given it a, a firm definition of well, this is a PR company, this is what I do, mm. then I don't know, like, I didn't want to be pigeonholed to that. I kind of want it to be that, like, I can help people do all sorts of things. It doesn't matter. Like, I can manage bands. I can advise them. I can do promo campaigns. I can do, you know, I can do so many things. And also, like, over the years, I've just, like, I don't have just PR-related contacts. Like, I don't think that PR is the, this traditional thing of like you it's just me and writers you know like I think it's really like this all-encompassing like you just know the right people and can connect the right dots and it doesn't have to just be this traditional form of what people think it is it's all of these things and more so mm -hmm. I feel like that's why I kind of don't really like to call it just PR because it's just not what it is it's it's something different that I can't point to an example of because otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Like there's yeah, nothing yeah. else like it. <laughs> and like I'm re trying to just reinvent the wheel with everything I do. So I'm factoring in, you know, like I work radio on some records. People don't know that. Like I work, I manage some of the artists that I, I work with. People don't know that. Like there's all kinds of different things that like pop up. Sometimes I book things. I book shows for bands. I book tours for bands. Like I do stuff like that. I do social media work. I do, um, like label advising, like there's all kinds of random things that come up. And so it's really just like, I'm, I don't, it's like, it makes it hard for me to sell the company to a stranger, <laughs> but it's like, I feel sort of like if you're someone who, like, if you're the right fit for someone to work with me, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter. You don't need a definition. You know what I mean? Like, you'll just be able to gauge like through a conversation that like, I know what I'm talking about and I have enthusiasm for stuff. So just let me do my thing. Let me spread my wings and let me fly. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of how I go about stuff. I definitely like it. It's PR for the sake of explaining it to people who don't understand. But yeah. it's, not, it's, like, it's so much more than it's so much. It's what PR the definition should be, I guess. It should. It's this all encompassing sort of um, vessel of 
passion and promotion. Yeah, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense, especially like with the way that, you know, like music press is, is changing so much and in some ways like falling out. Um, it makes sense to kind of like be that all encompassing thing. Um, and, and going off the idea with you kind of like having not a set, not having a set definition, kind of going with the flow, like have what kind of um, like unexpected ways has Know Your Buds evolved in like the last year? Um, I would, I mean, some of the stuff I just told you where it's like, I'm, you know, I have things I'm managing that I wasn't expecting I was doing. I have book stuff, like tours and stuff that I wasn't expecting I would do. Um, I'm, I have people I'm speaking to now about doing social media work for labels and doing different kinds of like content production. Um, I, you know, like I'm, I'm doing a podcast for some reason. I don't <laughs> think that's half your fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I feel like I'm just like, my the types of clients I'm working with are diversifying and I feel like it isn't just like I think people are starting to get a feel for what it is I do and what I bring to the table so the people that are coming to me and wanting to hire me and bring them into their teams they are they're not they they know what to expect you know like they know what I do so I think that's been a really cool transition over the last year it's just like I'm not just getting people who are looking for traditional PR work they're coming to me thinking like we just want you on our team, you know, like we just want you to be a part of this. And as we, you know, we can figure out the structure of how that works as we go along, but it's like, I'm becoming member, like a person that's a part of a team versus just someone you hire out for three months and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, that's a huge, re- I never wanted to do independent PR for that reason. I couldn't, how could I be passionate about something that I'm only working on for three or four months and then mm-hmm. I'm done, you know, like that, always bothered me about the process and I was like I don't know how you can develop a career and tell a story in three or four months like that doesn't seem like that makes sense to me (laughs) it might make sense to other people and that's fine but for me I never felt like I wanted to do that so over the last year having bands that hire me for repeated things and bring me into their team so that it's like anything they're doing has to be I have to know about Mm-hmm. That's what I like. I like to be like a permanent member of a team versus the temporary kind of hire that you just kind of bring in for a record and that's it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious, how has that kind of like affected, like having the kind of like a bigger workload um, with each individual client, how has that kind of like affected the way that you um, like approach the idea of kind of like selling yourself and like looking for new clients. Um, I feel like it would probably make it in some ways like overwhelming kind of taking on a new job when they're, when you're doing so much for like all the other ones you're working on. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I feel like the more I clients that I have that are the type I was just talking about where it's like, I'm more part of the team versus just hired out. I feel like, <laughs> the more of those that I have, the more comfortable it is to talk to new people because it's like, yeah, I'm always working with whatever this band is because I'm their person. Like, so whatever they're doing, they're calling me on, you know, they're going to call me up and we're going to figure something out. I think it just makes it easier. And it's at the same time, it makes me be a lot more selective with who I bring in because sometimes it's like, Oh, this is, I like this song or I like this EP. I'll help them out. Like sometimes it's like that where it's just like a quick thing. Mm-hmm. But other times it's like, I can tell when it's like, oh, this is going to be a much more intensive kind of project. And I would like to be that kind of person for them. Like I would like them to bring me into their team in a bigger way. So, you know, that it makes me be a little bit more selective with those kind of projects. So mm-hmm. I don't take on, like, 
I'm only taking on bigger projects like that that I think will be long term. I'm only taking on a few of those, you know, like I'm not oh. like my whole client roster is not all stuff like that. <laughs> it's like a mix of both. But I think it just makes me more selective in general. But I don't like I feel like I haven't had to like really seek much out. Um the mm -hmm. bands that I work with do all a lot of my own branding and promo for me. Like they, <laughs> you know, I I'm very grateful for that, that like people find out that that's that I'm the person that works with them. So mm. then that's how I get in touch with a lot of my new potential clients. So um, it's definitely, it's a, it's a good thing. I definitely get overwhelmed from time to time when literally they're all doing something at the same time, but it's <laughs> not much I can do about that. So For it's sure. part of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely, like you said, a good position to be in. And um, I guess kind of goes back to that idea of like, being well known within the scene and stuff that we'd mentioned earlier. Yeah. And, and, so I, weird. <laughs> and I feel like, um, just from like, just from knowing you or like just from anyone kind of like having a peripheral idea of you, um, kind of the major thing that would stick out would be like kind of the, genuine want that you have for people to like learn and be able to succeed um, and i'm curious just kind of like where that comes from um i don't know i feel like we gotta lift each other up i don't know. i feel like anybody who can who can identify as sort of like an underdog has that maybe has that feeling inside of like i don't if i'm winning i want y'all to win too you know like i want everybody around me to win and if they're winning i want to win like <laughs> i feel like we gotta lift each other up and coming from like a community that is like we feel like we're on fire and we're super strong because we know what's going on but like to the general world it's like we're fucking nothing we're like a <laughs> fucking speck of dust so it's like especially in the grander like music scene in general it's like we get almost like yeah we get recognition of course we do i'm not trying to say we don't but it's just like we don't get it on the same level as other artists do and other scenes do so it's just kind of like this perpetual kind of desire to get that recognition for everybody and get all of us out there and that's why when one of us wins it's like we all win in a way like when one band sort of just takes off and starts getting a ton of notoriety it's like that's only good for everybody else because we are not considered like one of these main players and mm -hmm. so I think it just comes from this like underdog mentality of like of course I want everybody to succeed I fucking love this shit like if this stuff doesn't work then like how what do I do like what are we all gonna do like I don't know I've I've figured out a way to make it last this long and if I can help people keep winning then I win by default you know like if mm -hmm. my bands are successful that's all that matters like if they're able to whatever their goals are like if they're able to tour consistently or they can buy a house or like they get on big festivals like whatever it is that they're able to do like that's success whatever level of success is you know important to them if they can get there, then I'm getting there too. And so is the, so are the rest of us by default, just because we're such this underrepresented kind of section of music. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a desire to get us all kind of recognized <laughs> and supported and respected for all everything that's going on here. But Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Kind of like you said, the idea of, um, if one band gets like big, then kind of it lifts up the scene. Like, I feel like that's very unique to kind of like the underground genres because, you know. Oh if... yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I think that's like, I don't think I necessarily like thought about that before, but that's uh, a really cool and interesting way to kind of like look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you see it in like hip hop and stuff as well, where like 
if one person in a, in a crew or something gets a hit, then by default, the others will kind of find their footing, you know, like you see it in other genres for sure. But I think when it comes to ours, it's like, we are lucky if like, you know, you look at some of these festival lineups and it's like, you know, like every year Coachella is only going to put like one or two emo and punk adjacent bands on there. Like maybe, maybe, you know, like Lollapalooza <laughs> might put one. So it's just like, you're, you know, that it's like, it's slim pickings. We don't get represented as much as other genres. So it's like, if one of us can get cracked through, then it's like, that's a win for the whole group because it's like, okay, well now we have, we can point to all of these examples of bands who have cracked through that, that level. And you, you know, we can kind of, find our way into there and introduce our music to whoever these people are because they've kind of opened up that gate for us. But mm -hmm. that's why it's like, I don't really ever like, I love seeing other bands in this genre and in this community succeed, whether or not I'm a part of it, it doesn't matter. It's like, if somebody gets popular or gets like a hit or something and it just goes, that's only helpful for everybody else because now it's like, well, okay, so Oso Oso's popping off. Well, people who get into Oso Oso are undeniably going to find other bands. You know, like they're yeah. going to go see them live. They're going to go see who opens for them. Like it, it's like a, 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 a the domino effect again, where it's like it's going to lead to other discoveries. That that's the that's the best thing ever. Because then we all kind of can get find a moment in there. Oh. For sure. Yeah, I think it's really cool, too, how it, like, leads to, um, like, the kind of relationships we've been talking about, like, between you and the bands that you work with, or, like, bands themselves, like, Origami Angel and Commander Shadowmander or something like that. Like, I think it's a really cool um, yeah. thing that way, too. Yeah, you lift each other up, for sure. Like, obviously, not every band is like that. A lot of bands, as soon as they start getting successful, they sort of forget <laughs> what got them there. Um, and that's, unfortunately a common occurrence but for the most part I feel like fans start you know they take their people with them you know they take their people with them and they make sure that their their homies and their band the bands that they've played with forever get to come for that ride and that's what's up like I love that obviously industry gets their hands on something and it can that's where that can kind of fall apart but for the most part it seems like these kind of bands have been doing a really good job at staying independent and just like owning where they came from and really making sure that like they bring their friends with them. They bring the bands that supported them, the labels, the team, like everybody gets to go with them and kind of succeed together. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and now that we've officially passed the uh, one year mark for no earbuds, um, I was just curious yeah. if you could kind of like reflect a little bit on some of um, like the highlights of last year and the goals for this year. Sure. Um, <laughs> the highlights of last year. Um, I, I booked Pew 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 on the um, Seth Meyers show, which was aw that I I confirmed that within like the first month of starting No Earbuds, oh, wow. um, <laughs> which was crazy. That was something I had been I have been trying to get a band on late night like I, forever, like for, for like my whole time working. And I had gotten bands on like shows that aired after like 1 a.m., <laughs> but never something that started before midnight. Like <laughs> it was so hard because I mean the, the earlier in the night you go when it comes to late night the harder it is to get bands like this on TV, you know, sure. it's just got to be more family friendly the earlier in the night you go. <laughs> um, and so that was a huge thing. I, I think the Foxing Tiny Desk at NPR was another big one. Um, I had booked Tiny Desks before, but I think there was just something about that one that was just really special. I think that that's the type of band that can go do a Tiny Desk and convert people to listening to them from there like new people so I think that was really cool um what else 
I think the Osa Osa record just in general in that whole campaign was really special um, just to be able to see how how big it got and how like <laughs> wide that range went in terms of people listening to them for the first time. Um, that was also the first time I worked something that got a best new music at Pitchfork. Not that it matters, but it does in a way. Um, and then I guess like towards the end of the year, I would say like the dog leg single release was another like highlight moment too. Cause it was just like, I had been listening to this uh, upcoming dog leg record for a while and to put something out from it, and to see how quickly it connected with people and how fast and just how mm-hmm. explosive it was. That was, that's like, that's the awesome shit that we love. Like that was just like, we all kind of had a feeling that would happen, but to see it happen and confirm it, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. That was, that was definitely a crazy Twitter day. <laughs> yeah. So crazy Twitter like week. It was like for a week <laughs> or two, like I kept having people like just hitting me up being like, what the fuck this is crazy. And it was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um and then yeah origami angel obviously that was like the glow up of the century like that was so cool to see and be a part of and like i had only gotten that record like two months not even two months prior so it was like (laughs) i was still falling in love with this record when it started to explode online so that was really cool to see and um even though it just happened and it's in 2020 the show that I'm, i'm sure you saw we posted about it online but they just played here in la at this yeah. bowling alley and they played with glass beach and it was just like holy shit like yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those nights that you just like you remember for a while and like that had that's a huge highlight just to be able to see i saw origami angel in the summertime of last year and there was like maybe 60 or 70 kids there who were excited and you know it was great but then to see them play it was like i think the total number was like 270 people and it was just like it was explosive. It was crazy how pumped everybody was. And it was just like, dude, that's what in less than a year, you just double, like almost triple the amount of people who came out to see you in the city. Um, and it's a hard city to play in. So that was really <laughs> cool. Um, and I think you said something about that was like my highlights for the year, but what was the second part of your question? Um, just like some of the goals for this year. Um, goals for this year. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like this year's going to be different for me. Obviously I'm having a kid. So I'm, my year is sort of like centered around that. (laughs) And um, it'll be an interesting time because I'll be taking the longest break I've ever taken from work before. Um, But that's been like the biggest thing for me. But beyond that, I mean, I just would like to keep this thing going. I don't know. I just want (laughs) to, I have a lot of great stuff lined up already for the summer and the fall when I get back from maternity leave. And um, I just want to kind of keep doing the same thing. I want to book some more shows in LA. Um, I have a show next weekend with Glass Beach and Dogleg, but I just want to keep doing more stuff here. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just want to keep, maybe keep doing the podcast. We'll see. I don't know <laughs> if that goes, <laughs> keeps going well. Um, I'd like to continue that and just like literally just keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm sure I'll come up with something else at some point that I want to do. And that becomes a new goal. That's the perk of having no boss is I can just think of things and do them. So for sure. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm curious, like you mentioned, um, kind of your need to like actually love the bands that you're working with. Um, what are some mm-hmm. of like, besides that connection, what are some of kind of like the other things that you look for, um, like prior to, you know, accepting a new client or like starting a campaign? Um, that's, I mean, that's usually the most important thing um, is that like I listen to it and I actually want to listen to it and I enjoy it. Um, beyond that, it's like, it's just gotta be a connection, I think, with the band. Um, 
I have to feel like they understand what I do. Um, and a lot of times I feel like I get pitched bands from bands that I can tell that they haven't really researched me or they don't really know what I'm doing and they just act like they do. So I think feeling like they get it mm-hmm. is helpful. Um, feeling like it's a genuine connection, like we just get along um, and that we can be honest with one another. Um, uh, yeah, again, the music has to be great. Um, and they have to be like, a little self-sufficient in this, in terms of like <laughs> they have to be doing something you know like you can't just come to me and think it's like a light switch that you turn on and all of a sudden everything's happening um i have to feel like from the jump that this is a band who's going to put in their own work as well because it's just not it doesn't work if that's not the case like I, I, i'm not a magician <laughs> like um so i think a general just like a connection and a faith that they're putting in a lot of work as well is you know beyond just loving the music those are the other things that i tend to look for yeah i mean it definitely seems like the kind of thing where if you know you know both on the band side and on your side yeah (laughs) i think so yeah that's probably it i mean there's people who like i've never actually met or spoken to but it's just like i can just tell from communicating with them over email that like they know what i do you know like they they get it and we just get along so it's just like yeah it is a little bit of like you know you know like once i've listened to something and i've decided i love it from there it's just yeah it's like the connection has to just be genuine and if it is we know it is and we move on like and then we just start working together for sure oh and i know um you've kind of talked about how um dan from the one years reaching out to you like right after you uh left aside one um was kind of like a really formative thing for you and um, I'm curious if there's any sort of other like high caliber bands, like even like Pie in the Sky Dreams, Beyonce, Metallica level bands like that you would like really love to work with. That's a great question. Um, well, shit, I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> um, hmm, I don't know. Because I feel like for me, it's like that was just like, I mean, that was unreal. I would have never seen that coming. Um, I feel like I have like Foxing would have been a band I would have mentioned and I've I've got I've worked with them. Um Oso Oso was a band like that for me for a while where I was just like, how do I get involved? And now I am. Um God, I'm trying to think who else right now. I love this that band Young Jesus. They're from here in LA. Um they're incredible. I don't know, it's like I don't really have a lot of like huge names because it's like for the most part I feel like I gravitate a lot more toward developing stuff anyway, mm-hmm, but sure. I'm trying to think if there's something at like the Wonder Years level that I would like freak out over, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll know. I feel like I know it when I think of, like, I'll, if I think of something, I'll know it, but I'm like a little stumped on that one right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I was, you know, going through the other day and kind of like making a list of some of the bands that I wanted on the podcast this year. And, um, the Wonder Years is one that I've wanted to check off for a long time, for sure. Um, but like, yeah. other, other than that, it's like I'm struggling so much to kind of like think of like, quote unquote, big bands that like help expand the audience because it's like I'm so right. in- entrenched in like the smaller bands that I like really love and feel passionate mm-hmm. about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have a lot of like bigger artists that I love, but I don't necessarily know if like I have anything to bring to the table. <laughs> like, <I'm> just, like, <laughs> I feel like I just I thoroughly enjoy working with like develop. I think there's bands like you know like the Hold Steady and stuff that if they ever wanted to hit me up, I'd be, be like, holy shit, or like the Front Bottoms or something like mm-hmm. those kind of things. I would like drop in a heartbeat to work on. But I think you know for them and any kind of legacy thing like Take Me Next Sunday or Motion City Soundtrack, any of those bands really like thought 
I, they, they were interested in me and wanted to talk to me, like, I would be like, holy shit, yes. Or you know what? <laughs> I just thought of one, Fireworks. Fireworks, oh, wow, if any yeah. of you are listening <laughs> and you want any help on that new record, like I've told you many times already, I am here. I will do anything <laughs> for you. <laughs> but like, yeah, I feel like for the most part, it's like any of those like bands I've grown up with or anything or bands, you know, like what I love is like, if there's a band that's like gonna do some kind of like reunion or some big kind of transitioning point, like if you blew it, wanted to do stuff again, or like bands like that that maybe aren't huge, but like they're at a transition point that's really important and it has to be handled a certain way. Like that's the kind of stuff I love to do as well, and I would love to do stuff like that. So if you blew it once to get back together, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're saying that makes a lot of sense. Kind of like you wanting to be like in the muck, like get your hands dirty with that stuff, and really be able to be yeah like fully involved. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like, of course, I would like love to work with a band like Paramore or something, but like they don't need me. Like they could, <laughs> you know. Like I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know what I could bring differently to that table. That isn't, you know, they're doing everything perfect. I have no comments, you know. So it's like, <laughs> I feel like I come in more handy with developing stuff, or like I said, like bands that are at like a turning kind of transitional point in their career. Aside from music, I think the thing that's kind of like most well-documented that you love would be The Office. Um, So of of course I have to have an Office-themed question. Um, I'm curious, (laughs) who, uh, if you had to choose one of the people from The Office as an intern, who would be your ideal candidate? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're going to ask me if I had, if I related to any of them. And I've had that question asked so many times that I struggle with it. So I'm glad you didn't ask that. (laughs) I knew I was going to be my intern. I'm literally staring at a poster of the whole cast. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, you want to say Dwight because there's nobody that's going to work harder for you than Dwight. But... I don't know. I love Aaron. I think Aaron would be a good intern. I think Kelly would be a good intern. Um, damn, that's a tough question. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm in, I'm in between those, I think. But I think, like, my first instinct is Dwight because he's, of course, he's, like, rigid and wild, but, like, he, he it has so much loyalty. It's just crazy. So it's, like, who else would you rather have have your back? You know, I don't know. <laughs> For sure. That's as long question. as he learns to respect your authority. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think if he's under somebody, so if he's working under someone, just like if he's under Michael, it's like, he's going to, he's going to take that role on naturally and he's going to be your right hand person. So I think that as long as he's the, like, he knows his role sort of, he would, he would embrace that for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I, I guess season nine, Jim would be good too, with his uh, marketing background. <laughs> you know, season nine, Jim is tough. <laughs> season nine, Jim. I love because I think it's one of the most realistic storylines I've probably ever seen on television. Um, but I, I struggle with him in season nine, I think. But you know what? I, I go back and forth on this a lot because I feel like sometimes I feel like he's a jerk, but other times I feel like he was there for Pam so many times when she was trying different things mm-hmm. that it's kind of crazy how at the end when he's trying to do something different that she just like can't handle it. And I, like I said, it's one of the most honest types of storylines that not just this show, but a lot of shows have ever touched upon is this, like, this point in a marriage and a relationship where, like, you kind of aren't in sync anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's really, like, that, apparently that storyline was all inspired by John Krasinski's brother and his uh, his brother's relationship with his wife. And that's oh, where they I got the idea from. <laughs> yeah, was, his thought was, like, to bring a more realistic element to their marriage. And he pulled that from his own life that he knew a story about. So I don't know. I feel like I love that season nine gym for that, but I struggle. I, I don't know if I'd want him to be 
my employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like his biggest uh, misstep was not just going back to Pam and being like, I really believe in this idea and I would really like to pursue it in- instead of just like going back yeah. behind her back about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, bro, you didn't have to. But at the same time, I get it. It's like those, that's the type of stuff that's like, I, you know, you can't you can't understand that unless you're in that situation. But it was yeah, like, yeah, dude, sure. you could have just told her you were super passionate about it and you wanted to try. Like this girl literally lived in New York city for like three months and like <laughs> she went and tried stuff too, you know, and you were there for her through all of it. So she's got to be there for you for this, but eh, whatever. <laughs> Everything ended up. Okay. They're fine. They're happy. For sure. <laughs> yes. Very true. <laughs> um, and then I always like to kind of wrap up by asking um, either for, just like a piece of advice or something like a philosophy that you like that you've been thinking about lately, um, either about like music or just life in general. Hmm. I don't know. I don't really have one. I feel like just give a shit about whatever you do, like whatever you're doing, <laughs> just give a shit about it and um, put in the, like have passion for stuff and, and um, be honest about things. And I don't know, and go to therapy. That's, therapy. That's <laughs> it. That's it. I don't care who's listening. If they're a band, a person, uh, go to therapy because every literally every single person in the on the planet needs that shit. And also vote for Bernie Sanders. That's it. Those, those are my <laughs> I, I stand all those. All of them. <laughs> yeah, those, are, those are my those are my what I will leave you with. <laughs> yes, I, I think those were the most succinct and some of the best advice so far. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.